Please join with me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Today, our scripture reading comes from the second letter to Timothy, the third chapter, verses 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient and equipped for every good work. This is the word of God for the people of God. When you ask preschoolers what's in the Bible, a lot of sheep, a lot of words, and a lot of pictures. As we look today at scripture, we begin a series on um, this we believe in the shifting sands of our current world. What is the foundation that we stand on? Uh, we begin with scripture today and we'll continue conversations about grace, um, about um, uh, how to see the Bible in terms of end times, how to uh, begin talking and understanding about forgiveness. Today we look at scripture, how and why. Uh, as Wesleyans, we read scripture in a very uh, particular way. Um, unlike um, some of the things that you see on the bestsellers list, I don't know if you were uh, someone who read The Year of Living Biblically, One Man's Humble Quest to Follow the Bible as Literally as Possible. Uh, it was a, the author was A.J. Jacobs. He spent a whole year, 365 days, uh, trying to live out all the rules and expectations that are in the Bible. The first thing he did was sit down and write out a list of all the, the laws, all the rules in the Bible. He came up with 72 handwritten pages, a total of 700 rules. And he tried to live his life that way for a whole year. He says some of the things are very interesting. Apparently, it's very enjoyable to walk with a staff through the streets of Manhattan. It helps if you're wearing sandals to have the staff. He found a biblical robe to be one of the most freeing experiences of his life. He's always walked with pants on. Um, he found the beard to be itchy because in the Bible it says that a man should not trim his beard. Uh, he found the dietary laws interesting. Uh, apparently there is a loophole in, um, in the kosher laws that you can not eat any insects, but you can eat grasshoppers and locusts and crickets. He found a great boutique shop in Manhattan that serves chocolate dipped crickets. You should try them. Uh, he um, found goat's milk to be strange but enjoyable. Um, he also would burn myrrh in his apartment that he thought was quite wonderful, but his wife said made the apartment smell like a cathedral. Um, you're not laughing yet. This is troubling 
Um, maybe, you know, he, he would use in the evening an olive lamp, literally burning the midnight oil. Um, he does confess, though, that the whole trimming the wick of the lamp was hard. Oftentimes it felt like the Olympic opening ceremonies in his den because the flame was so tall. And lastly, uh, one of the things that um, he picked up on the Bible is that you should avoid lustful gazing. Well, living in Manhattan, that was challenging, and especially being a subscriber to cable. So he found an app that would edit out all of the sinful things in mainstream movies. In fact, you could check off which boxes that you wanted omitted from blockbuster movies. So he checked all of them, and then proceeded to watch Kill Bill. <laughs> he found that it was all Bill, no kill. Yeah, I know, that was really kind of sad. You know, this is all very tongue-in-cheek for him. It was an attempt to kind of uh, embody something that everybody talks about often, right? What would Jesus do? Uh, living biblically, living Jesus' life, walking in his sandals, uh, doing his life. And what he found is that quite often it was a confusing and ambiguous experience where he felt like an anachronism as he walked around in sandals, a robe with a long beard and a staff trying to read at night by an olive oil lamp. I wonder for you, what does the Bible mean to you? Is it a set of rules and laws that we need to function up? Um, is it a, uh, a lucky rabbit's foot that we carry with us everywhere we go in hopes that it'll give us good luck instead of bad? Is it a box of band-aids that you um, uh, quickly pass out the right shape and color and uh, spin of verses for all the various cuts and bobos that the people around you might have? Or is it a key to the test, the uh, key to a test for a course that you don't feel prepared for, that you're worried about when the final's going to come? And instead of living into the course and learning the subject and being uh, shaped by the opportunity to learn, you hold on to that cheat sheet, waiting for the surprise quiz, knowing that you'll be able to answer it from that quiz sheet. Expectations for scripture what it means for you, what it means for us as a community. I had a professor in seminary that said one should never put the personal pronoun in front of Scripture. One should never say, my Bible says, for no one actually possesses their own Bible, but yet we read Scripture as a community. If you think about it, it was only recently that we've been able to carry Scripture on any device possible. Uh, only uh, barely recently in terms of historical things uh, to be able to have the privilege of reading it in our own tongue and to carry it as a printed book with us. That the idea that I can uh, bury myself in the Bible and come out with the truth is a foreign concept to the work of the church as a community. That the Holy Spirit shows up, right, when two or more are gathered together, and um, uh, uh, Jesus shows up as we speak of the Scripture. That this idea of personally possessing a translation of the Scripture may be uh, counterintuitive to the work of the Holy Spirit among us. Our Scripture passage today comes from Paul's second letter uh, to Timothy. 
Um, Paul, most of us know Paul, uh, quite the leader and church planter. Uh, Timothy was his uh, mentee. Uh, he was um, the student that was learning underneath him. Uh, now, there is an academic conversation about whether Paul actually uh, wrote the words of uh, the Timothy letters. I will leave that for a grow our opportunity, but we can uh, rest assured that it is in the tradition of Paul. Now, Paul was Timothy's teacher, confidant, friend, mentor. Um, if you're looking for a way to cast and frame Second Timothy, it is the Tuesdays with Maury uh, for Paul and Timothy. Does that speak to some of the generations here? Uh, it is that last will and testament. It is that um, uh, list of things that you should value when I'm gone, right? Um, It's interesting that as Paul uh, writes uh, to Timothy, um, the bulk of 2 Timothy is not about Scripture, but rather about the work of the Gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit. I love the beginning of our Scripture passage, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. To know whom you were taught from, right? I I love in the Greek, that is a plural word. Oftentimes we want to reduce that from whom you've believed and from whom you've been taught into one person that Paul poured out himself into Timothy and that Timothy is a product of Paul. But Timothy is a product of a community, a community that had as its foundation uh, the Bible, a community that empowered his mother and grandmother, Lois and Eunice, to raise him in the faith. That it was not just Paul, the superstar, that came along, but there was a community of believers who uh, taught him the word in daily life and in written word. When we look at uh, 2 Timothy, It's words particularly uh, about Scripture say that all Scripture is God-breathed. The Scripture says, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. All Scripture is inspired by God. Now that's an interesting Greek word right there. Uh, If um, the intern Jeremy was here, he could pronounce that Greek word the right way, but for the moment I'm left on my own and it's all Greek to me. (laughs) Y'all needed to laugh, I'm sorry, okay? So inspired by God, you might think that that's um, a word that clearly talks about how God inspires lots of things, not just scripture, that maybe we all can do the inspirational work uh, that God does in scripture. But the Greek word, it's one word for inspired by God, and it's uh, really um, literally translated, all scripture comes from the breath of God breath of God. Makes me think of Genesis chapter 2, where when God is creating Adam, he gets down into the dirt and the clay, and he pulls together the mud, and he forms with his own hands the body of Adam, and he breathes into Adam's mouth the breath of life. 
All scripture is breathed into us by God, inspired by God, useful for teaching, correction, rebuke, and equipping. Sometimes we reduce scripture to the printed pages that we hold in our hand, but we should remember that tradition has uh, taught us that um, John chapter one, and the word, capital W, became flesh and dwelt among us. That the, the printed word is important and we should learn it. And uh, in the words of the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 5, we should bind it to our heads. We should uh, place it at the uh, doorposts of our houses. We should teach it to our children. But scripture comes alive when it is embodied in a person, when it is embodied in a relationship between you and me, and not just facts on a page that have to be memorized. We look at the words that Paul says to Timothy in the letter, um, encouraging him, encouraging him to see scripture as the way in which God will shape him for the work that he will do. And it will be the way in which he becomes who God has called him to be. Uh, in Timothy's community, there were a number of teachers, uh, some who were considered false teachers because they would replace the hard parts of scripture with their own teaching. Uh, and so Paul is uh, encouraging Timothy uh, to not become creative uh, with what scripture should be, but rather to teach what scripture already is and to use it, uh, utility, usefulness, so that we all might become who God's called us to be. Now, as uh, Wesleyans, we tend to read scripture in a particular way. Um, we like to take scripture and to inform it uh, or to interpret it uh, by looking at uh, three other qualities, tradition, reason, and experience. Uh, notice that uh, scripture is the most important part and the other three uh, flow into it. Uh, tradition. Uh, tradition is, uh, can quickly be de defined as what the church has believed in all places, in all times, and about all issues, or at least a majority of. Uh, tradition takes scripture and talks to us about how it's been interpreted in different contexts and in different periods of history by different people. I like to say that tradition is a conversation over time. I can read Augustine as Augustine interprets scripture. I can interpret scripture as well and together have a conversation with Augustine over time. The same with Aquinas or Athanasius. Uh, it is an opportunity for us to be not just the church in the present, but the church over time as we discern what the Holy Spirit has led us to do with regard to Scripture. The second quality that we look at uh, is reason. Uh, reason is that opportunity to use what's in between our ears, uh, to use the, the, the head and the knowledge that we have to interpret Scripture ourselves. Uh, now, there are some Protestant uh, faiths who do not believe that reason is redeemable. They believe that in the fall, we lost everything, even the ability to think logically, at least in terms of how God thinks. But as Wesleyans, we believe that reason is an important part of the gift that God's given us, that thinking rationally through some of the challenges of Scripture can be helpful and can lead us to a place where we can understand God's will better. Um, for example, um, I like to use, when talking about the Wesleyan quadrilateral, um, the, um, uh, the scripture in Mark, uh, the Gospel of Mark, that talks about handling poisonous snakes, 
right? We can imagine that over tradition, right? I have never been in a church in my lifetime that has handled snakes. Uh, we could probably pull the crowd and go back and kind of figure out, has the church in all places and in all times handled snakes? No, we could say no, right? I, you were re re reluctant to say something there. Reason, rationality, we could say that, that maybe I should not um, put my uh, uh, God to the test. That sure sounds like scripture as well. Um, that there is some logic that goes with, hey, a snake is wonderful, but it's better over there than over here. Using what's in between our ears is helpful. We look at the third uh, quality that we use for um, interpreting scripture, it is experience. It's this understanding that that vital experience, that um, our life experience teaches us something. When we read scripture, we don't find a story of people who are perfect, who always obey and always do the will of God. We find stories of people who have betrayed each other, who have bargained the promise away, uh, people who have acted poorly in times of drought, and even worse, in times of abundance. We hear a story in Scripture, not about perfect people who have it all together, but rather the human experience of life in relationship with God. And so too, our lives sing as we read scripture and hear about these trials and tribulations, as we hear about the difficulties that happen to God's chosen people. We respond realizing that our lives are not perfect either, and that we are in need of the gospel message as much as those in scripture that we read about. I know for me, experience is a powerful piece uh, for my life. I remember as a eighth grade boy going to district camp at Lakeview, sitting at the Vespers point on the side of the lake. It was completely dark, it was evening Vespers, and there was a ton of people, and I was ADD before ADD was cool. I was way in the back and I was counting how many ants could crawl across my foot, while the preacher way up front was certainly giving a great sermon but I wasn't paying attention very much at all. And as uh, I tuned in to the preacher, the preacher said, look at all the stars that you can see. And it was a number of stars. With the lack of light pollution, you could really see God's handiwork. And uh, there the preacher said, the same God who made all these stars made you and loves you. And that was that moment, that experiential moment. I knew what it meant to be somebody's child. I knew because my parents had taken great care of me and loved me. And so to think that a God who had so much power as to create all these stars cared deeply for me, my heart sung as I realized the message of Scripture for me. You see, when we take all three of these things together, uh, we begin to see together uh, what might be cultural and contextual about the Bible, and what might be that which is God's will for us in any time, in any place, and in any season. We leave, um, we, we leave uh, the idea that Bible should make us into an anachronistic uh, staff-wielding, robe-wearing, beard-growing kind of people and instead find ourselves as the kind of people who extend hospitality to the stranger, for we were strangers once. We find ourselves as those who um, extend and care and compassion to those who are the least and the last and the lost, because we've been least and last for as well.
We find ourselves reading from uh, scripture about a God who is loving and caring, who invites us into a relationship that will transform our lives. We find the Bible not to be a lucky charm uh, or an answer sheet or just a book of literature or a box of band-aids. And it becomes for us a love letter from God that shares with us what our purpose is and gives us the tools to become who God's called us to be, the light of the world and the salt of the earth. I wonder for you uh, what it might mean for us to dive deep into the Bible, to not just um, look at it uh, a moment every day. I find it very interesting that Paul doesn't say, um, spend all of your time with written word. Instead, he says, remember from whom taught you. Remember what they have taught you. And remember that all scripture is breathed by God and useful for the projects at hand. I have to believe that what was most powerful for Timothy was not that he was able to hold the scrolls and to read them on his own, but rather that Paul, his mentor, lived out scripture before him. And it was so compelling of a message that Timothy could not resist the call of the gospel and the opportunity to serve. May it be the same with us as we raise a generation in faith that is literate in scripture, but understands the method, message, and relationship of the gospel as well. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Friends, Chapelwood United Methodist Church exists to help ourselves and others take our next step in our faith journey with Christ. Uh, today, we hope that your next step is to be grounded well in the Word, uh, so much so that you can live it out in your life in such a way that helps others find their way with the gospel. Uh, also, uh, hopefully you saw in your bulletins, uh, there is an insert that talks about the care team. I cannot tell you how many meals and prayers and phone calls and transportation assistance has been accomplished just by that simple care team. You are certainly qualified. If you can do uh, one of these things, can you make a phone call, write a note, say a prayer, bake a casserole, uh, drive someone somewhere, or sit with someone who needs company for a time? If you're able to do those things, I hope that you might fill out that insert, uh, drop it off at the church office. We would love to include you in the care, not just of our own, but of those outside our community as well. Um, if today's the day that you feel called to join this congregation, I hope that you'll come forward during our closing hymn, Lord, You Give the Great Commission. David Hill's going to come and lead us in that, and I hope that you'll come and uh, down the aisle uh, if you feel so led. Come over here and stand here. If you uh, need someone to pray with you or to arrange care for someone that you care about, um, Harold and I will be standing here. Harold's our Stephen minister for uh, the morning. Uh, if you'd like a quiet place anytime, whether this morning or other times, behind that brown door is our prayer chapel room, and we'd love for you to come and spend some time in prayer. But for now, why don't we uh, gra uh, hold hands, uh, grab a hand next to you. Um, you don't have to hold everybody's hand, but hold somebody's hand. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give thanks that you've given us a foundation in Scripture, that you've called us to learn, read, and be equipped by it. And you've sent us out into the world to share with others the relationship that you offered to all, one of grace and love and forgiveness. Send us out this day. In Jesus' name, amen.